a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Sean Vandenberg. Coming up on the program. Global business leaders and officials gather at the 6th China International Import Expo in Shanghai. China's new finance minister Lan Bo-an commits to proactive fiscal measures to boost economic recovery. And the Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese advocates dialogue and collaboration with China during his diplomatic visits. The sixth edition of the China International Import Expo has opened in Shanghai. In his message, President Xi Jinping acknowledged the expo's role in leveraging China's market, international procurement, investment promotion, and people-to-people exchanges. He also said China will remain committed to promoting a high-level opening up and building an open-world economy. The Chinese leader said he hopes the expo will help foster a new development pattern that creates new international opportunities. He also expressed optimism for the expo's promotion of international public goods and services that facilitate an open-world economy and win-win cooperation. More than 3,400 exhibitors from over 150 countries, regions, and international organizations are represented. This year, CIIE runs until November 10th and will host over 120 sideline events. At Sunday's opening ceremony, Premier Li Qiang reaffirmed China's commitment to opening up its market and sharing opportunities with the world. As the world's first national-level exposition dedicated to imports, the CIIE has kept to its funding mission of opening up China's market and sharing China's opportunities with the world and actively connected China to the rest of the world. It has played a stronger role as a major platform for international procurement, investment promotion, cultural exchange, and open cooperation, and established itself as an international public good for the world to share. We cross to Shanghai for our special coverage of the 6th China International Import Expo. My colleague Michael Wang is already standing by at the Shanghai studio. And welcome everyone to our special coverage of the China International Import Expo. We are coming to you live from our studio on the Bund overlooking the iconic skyline of Shanghai. Today is, of course, day two of the CIIE. The CGTN team is spread out across the six expo areas of the Import Expo. Each exhibition area has its own theme, ranging from food to autos, intelligent industry, and, of course, much more. So let's get on the ground right now at the National Convention Center, where our very own Wang Tianyu is standing by for us at the Consumer Products Pavilion, always a fan favorite at each year's CIIE for more. Tianyu, thank you so much for joining us. So walk us through the highlights of day two of the Import Expo. Well, Michael, today's highlight is definitely on the huge scale of this year's CIIE. As you can see behind me, every corner in this venue is filled by products and people. Today is the first day that the expo is open to 394,000 professional visitors. They are buyers, business developers, and government officials. And that's why this morning I was kind of stuck on the road uh, out there due to the large traffic. 
This is the sixth year that the China hold this annual import expo, and around 3,400 exhibitors are here. They're showcasing their latest technology, products, and services. And what I want to mention about today is that the first time that the United States participates in the expo on the federal level, the American Pavilion consists of 17 exhibitors and mainly showcases agricultural products and agricultural technology. It is a sign that the two economic superpowers will strengthen collaboration on the agricultural sector. And now, as I'm speaking from the Consumer Product Pavilion, I'm very happy to be joined by Desiree Lim. She is a senior executive of Singapore's uh, game chair and massage chair manufacturer, Olsen. So, Miss um, Lim, this is your fifth time that come to CIIE. And safe to your company. Why does it mean so much for you and your company? I think CIE is a very important platform for all overseas markets, uh, overseas brands to come into this uh, China market. So for those who want to venture into the China market, CIE is a very important platform for them to showcase their new products, new technologies, as well as new services to the Chinese consumers. So as you can see, this is our fifth year with CIE, and our booth size has been increasing every year as well. And that shows the confidence level we have in the China market. You know, Awesome is a consumer product producer, I would say. So I want to know what is your take on the recovery of China's consumption market. Okay, as you can see, the China government has been introduced quite a number of policies to help increase the consumption level in for the consumers, and that really gives us a lot of confidence in the China market itself as well. So from what we can see from our sales figures, um, sales has been increasing as well, and that shows that the rebound of the Chinese consumption is increasing, and that also gives us the very high confidence that the sales will be improving. Month after month as well. So yeah, as you can see, for CIE, we have brought our new wellness tech technology as well to the CIE, and is our global launch of our wellness tech duo of our U Love Tree and U Tron B Gamer Chat. So that also gives us a very global launch to the Chinese consumers on what's going to be happening in the in the、uh, in the global market, as well as to let them know that hey, that now there is a new technology that is revolving around the well healthy lifestyle products, and also. So we hope that using these healthy lifestyle products, we can help the Chinese consumers to get a better health, as well as we will hope to deepen our relationship with the China. Very nice. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Miss Lim. So, Michael, that's it for for the second day, and back to you. All right. Well, Tim, we we could certainly use one of those massage chairs、uh, from Osim. So, thank you very much for that update and report. Our Wang Tianyu at the convention center for us, and thank you to Desiree from Singapore's Osim as well. Well, a new report measuring global economic openness has been released at the sixth China International Import Expo here in Shanghai. The 2023 World Openness Report was published by the China Academy of Social Sciences. It shows the level of economic openness last year was unfortunately down 0.4 percent from 2021, and by over 5 percent compared to 2018. The report cites an increase in tighter financial restrictions and a decline in cross-border direct investment as two of the main factors behind the trend. Participants at the forum are calling for increased globalization in order to turn the situation around. Take a listen. Either way, we are moving backwards or forward in the journey of globalization, but we still live in one world. Openness in this connection needs to be enhanced. Hopefully, in 2024,、uh, we can see a rebound or even a, a much better kind of、uh, index. 
uh, and uh, if we can compare the data before uh, 2019, uh, I guess uh, the, the index can pick up this kind of a trend that the, the global recovery actually uh, can uh, have a much more substantial uh, kind of trend uh, thanks to uh, China as the major globalization force uh, coming back completely. And time now for our special series, Biz Focus, where we take a closer look at some of the most dynamic business sectors here in China and around the world. Now, in today's edition of Biz Focus, I explore the country exhibitions at the CIIE. Plus, I speak to three global industrial giants who have each attended the Import Expo multiple times to see how they're positioning themselves to leverage future opportunities here in the China market. Take a look. China International Import Expo, a platform to showcase China's commitment to advance a higher standard of opening up. The CIIE includes a business exhibition, the Hongqiao International Economic Forum, and of course the country exhibitions where we are right now. So this year's CIIE features 69 countries spanning across five continents, all here to showcase what they have to offer to the Chinese market. You're going to find advanced economies here, developing economies here, and countries large and small. So let's go take a look around. Biz Focus, feeling China's economic pulse. Kazakhstan is one of this year's guest countries of honor at the CIIE. China is Kazakhstan's largest trading partner. More than 30 Kazakh companies are represented at this year's import expo. Kazakh goods, investment promotion, and logistics are all here. But the country is also aiming to attract more Chinese tourists. We are talking about the Chinese tourists. They are mostly interested in shopping uh, in Kazakhstan, mostly interested as a group segment and in coming with the group. And they are uh, giving and going to Kazakhstan as individual tours. So. Chinese market in tourism sector the most important one and if we are talking about the Czech, Czech is most highly uh, comparing with uh, another countries and compare with the countries that are our neighbors and neighborhood uh, from all over the Kazakhstan territory. And from Central Asia let's head over to the Mediterranean Sea and see what the island nation of Malta has to offer at the CIIE. Let's go. So Tristan we're here at the Malta Pavilion and I never would have associated bluefin tuna with Malta. So tell us more about that. So albeit our small size, we are the largest producer of Atlantic bluefin tuna in the Mediterranean. And Atlantic bluefin tuna swims, as its name, its name says, in the Atlantic. And it comes into the Mediterranean to spawn around May. And boats all around the Mediterranean catch the fish, bring it to Malta for us to farm, fatten it. And uh, we get this beautiful fish and it's available then for the Asian market. Yeah. We have recently, just yesterday, signed an MOU, Malta has signed an MOU with China, so that we recognize each other's sanitary systems, and we can finally export tuna directly to China. And from the Mediterranean Sea, let's head south to the northwest coast of Africa and the Gambia. Let's go. Gambia is bringing a lot of things to this exhibition, CIIE. Yes, the things that we have, you can see them here, groundnut, cashew, sesame, and clothes. We have fashion, agriculture, we have manufacturers who came. Uh, they are headed by Gambia Chamber of Commerce, that's G G uh, Guy Parada, Gamb 
Gaipa, Import and Export Promotion Agency. A key message from many exhibitors is that the CIIE not only provides a platform for countries and businesses to connect with the massive Chinese market, but because of its international scale, provides a platform for the world to come together to do business and to enjoy the diversity of each other's rich cultures all under one roof. The CIIE is a gateway to China and the world. So at the CIIE's country exhibition area, one can find high quality products from all around the world, speak to investment promotion agencies and enjoy incredible performances that celebrate the diversity of culture, traditions and civilizations from around the world. But like I mentioned, the CIIE also includes the business exhibition area, where global industrial giants such as Honeywell Aerospace, Henkel, and Rockwell Automation are all present. Now, according to China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, the added value of China's vast manufacturing sector last year accounted for nearly 30% of total global manufacturing output. Multinational industrial companies have been, of course, a big part of China's own economic development, and many are seeking to expand their footprint in the China market. Take a look. U.S. industrial conglomerate Honeywell has been in China for decades. Uh, in 2003, we moved our Asian Pacific headquarters to Shanghai, and we already have our all four uh, business groups now operated and uh, provide service products in China market. Boeing forecasts that China is set to become the world's largest domestic aviation market. China's aviation industry boom supported Honeywell's aerospace business. And Honeywell Aerospace has supported China's aviation industry development. The company provides four key systems for China's domestically developed C919 large jetliner. One is actually, we actually source a lot of uh, our components and so that put in our uh, products. Mm. That's one part. We collaborate with uh, both uh, SOEs as well as uh, private enterprise. Yeah. We source uh, by parts from China. That's yeah. one. And secondly, we do participate in the big uh, programs, uh, aircraft programs in China. And third element is, of course, our big partner partnership with almost all the airlines in China. This year is the fifth time that German industrial and consumer heavyweight Henkel is attending the CIIE. We are headlining our booth this year to show uh, creating a sustainable future powered by Henkel Innovations. Mm. So we have three big categories this year that we are promoting. Uh, first one is to showcase our solutions in the new energy vehicles. In new energy vehicles, it's about how you build a lighter car body, how we build a new kind of battery casing for longer battery life, as well as our products that are used for the building of charging stations. So all of this together is a big contribution in the sustainability area as well as new innovations in the new energy vehicles. Taking a long-term view of China's market potential, Henkel is enlarging its presence here. So last year we set up a new application center in south of China for our consumer electronics business so that we can be close to our customers, close for speed up our innovation cycles with them. Mm. So that's bearing fruit. We are in the middle of our construction for our innovation center in Shanghai. And thirdly, we are just having a, we just finished a groundbreaking in June 2023 for our project Kunpeng, which is going to be our most modern manufacturing facility anywhere in the world. China is one of the largest markets outside of the United States for American industrial automation giant Rockwell Automation. 
Rockwell will be attending the CIIE for a third time, this year highlighting a new ESG alliance with its manufacturing partners. The company is also aiming to take the lead in building a net-zero supply chain. China is the most competitive market in the world, but at the same time, the largest manufacturing, one single largest manufacturing market in the world. So everything that we end up being able to do and be successful here, we could pretty much duplicate it elsewhere in the world and make it successful. The long-standing engagement with China of global multinationals like Honeywell, Henkel, and Rockwell Automation underscores a narrative of mutual growth and development. As these companies lay down deeper roots in the Chinese market, their innovations, business models, and business practices here are poised to echo beyond China's borders. All right, let's get more on the CIIE and bring in Bruno Lan, a senior partner at Bain and Company. Bruno, welcome to the show. Hope you're enjoying our view here in our Bun studio. It is amazing view. Yeah, I must absolutely say it's majestic. Majestic, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Always a pleasure to be here, Michael. Thank you. Great to have you on the program. So, Bruno, you're going to be attending the Import Expo later on this week. I want to get your general overview first in terms of how important is the China market right now for global multinationals. It continues to be extremely important. Some of the data we have seen regarding the importance of, multi of China for multinationals is about 15% of their revenues. So 50% of their global revenues is actually made in China. Mm. And for some companies in some sectors, as we know, this could go as high as 30%. And so, of course, this is extremely important, of course, in the uh, auto sector, in the consumer sector, in the luxury sector. Many, many sectors uh, rely on China to, to do well for the global multinationals to continue to do well as well. Yeah. So, Bruno, in a post-pandemic world, how important do you think is it for uh, the executives of MNCs to really come and visit the China market? You know, uh, you know, four years in China is a very long time. China is a fast-moving place. Mm. And so missing four years of not being able to visit China, I think, is, uh, is extremely uh, damaging, I think, to uh, the understanding of what's going on in this place. So our advice to uh, General HQ executives this year has been relearn, reconnect, and recommit. Relearn because China has changed. Four years, as I say, is a very long time at China speed. And so many, many things have changed. And, and a good example of that was earlier this year, the, the Shanghai Auto Show where many uh, senior executives from the auto sector were so surprised by, see the develop by seeing the development of EV, for example, over the last four years in China. Mm. Just one example of the change. So relearning how China has evolved is really critical. Then the second thing is reconnect, uh, because uh, it's one thing to read about China in, in, in the media. It's another thing to come here and, and meet people, and meet yeah. not only their own team, but also government officials, suppliers, customers, etc. And that's very important to have a first-hand understanding of what's going on here. And the third thing, of course, is recommit. Once you have relearned and reconnected, then you realize that actually China has a lot of potential, and therefore it's time to recommit to the China market. Bruno, you know, this is my sixth year at the Import Expo, and every single year I feel it's exciting. I was at the convention center earlier this year, and you could just, um, earlier today, excuse me, and you could just feel the dynamism uh, pulsating from the convention center at the Import Expo. What is your outlook in terms of the consumer market here in China? Because this country is shifting now towards more a consumption led economy. Mm -hmm. The Import Expo is a manifestation of China's consumer market as well. So what's your take? Yes, it's, um, it's exactly, it, it's a springboard for uh, companies before they set, multinational companies before they settle in China and make some more significant investments. 
they want to test the market, they want to establish connections, they want to launch their products and their digital platforms that allow them to do that. They want to meet uh, local distributors. And, uh, and as a result of that, if successful, of course, they will, they will settle in China, they will create a team, they will potentially create factories, etc. So it's very important that, that this CIE, after four years, is, is open to the world, uh, that people can travel. And I'm sure there's going to be you know, lots and lots of visitors. I think the number of exhibitors is also quite a record year this year. And so that's, that's a good sign for the potential of this market. And uh, as I said earlier, yes, categories are, have different. It's important not to look at the average. Categories are growing quite fast, still double digit in some areas, but others are a bit s slower. So it's important to really pick your bets. All right, Bruno, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks for joining us. Bruno Lan, senior partner at Bain Company. Thank you as always, Bruno. All right, and that will do it from our special CIIE studio here in Shanghai. Of course, tune in tomorrow as we continue our coverage of the sixth China International Import Expo. But for now, Michelle, it is back to you in Beijing. Great coverage, Michael. Thank you so much. And looking forward for more coverage from you in the coming days. Michael Wang for us in Shanghai. China will strengthen its proactive fiscal policy to propel economic recovery. That's according to China's finance minister Lan Foran. Lan said China's proactive fiscal policy has been focusing on market entities, domestic demand, technology innovation, and social security since the start of this year in an interview with state television. He said the finance ministry will accelerate the issuance and use of newly approved government bonds to keep fiscal spending on a rational level. Lan also said government spending had accelerated in recent months, matching rising fiscal revenues, and that more measures are in the pipeline. We are considering allocating bond quotas for 2024 to local governments in an earlier stage. We will better leverage the role of special bonds to boost the economy. We will also make sure that existing policies are being implemented properly and tax and fee reductions reach their targeted beneficiaries with no discount. We aim to reduce the burden on the shoulder of firms to drive economic growth. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has a strong dialogue and cooperation with China as the two countries mark the 50th anniversary of the establishment of Australia's first embassy in China. It's also 50 years since the signing of their first trade agreement and the first visit by then-Australian Prime Minister Gulf Whitlam. Albanese arrived in Shanghai on Saturday for a four-day visit, his first as Prime Minister. Albanese vowed to work constructively with China and said China-Australia relations are mature with complementary nature. Meanwhile, Anthony Albanese delivered a speech at a lunch reception. He praised China's economic growth in the past 25 years and stressed the importance of dialogue and cooperation between the two countries. Have a look. In 2019, China was Australia's number one tourism market. With the travel between China and Australia resuming this year, we are so excited about the return of Chinese travellers. You have been greatly missed. Welcome back. China is our largest trading partner and will remain so for the foreseeable future, even as we, like all countries, seek to diversify our trade. Since the Free Trade Agreement came into force, Australian exports to China have more than doubled while Chinese exports to Australia have increased by almost 80%, benefiting consumers and businesses in both countries. 
China and Australia share close economic and trade ties. China is Australia's largest trading partner, export market, and source of imports. China accounts for almost a third of Australia's overseas trade. In the first half of this year, trade between the two countries exceeded 116 billion U.S. dollars, up 8.6 percent year-on-year. And in 2022, total bilateral trade topped 220 billion U.S. dollars. Australia's tourism industry says China's decision to include the country on its list of approved destinations is critical to its recovery. But some people are concerned about the impact of the pandemic and the industry's ability to handle an increase in international visitors. Greg Navarro explains. Odyssey travel in Melbourne has weathered many challenges since it opened in 1997. The toughest for the company, which specializes in group tours from China and the industry here, was the pandemic. It's been, as a travel agent, the COVID impact, you know, it's tragic. Sort of, um, in this business, about, I think, 60% out of the business. They're not there anymore. In 2019, Australia was a popular destination for visitors from China who pumped more than $2 billion into the country's economy. It made up about 15% of Australia's inbound travel pre-pandemic, so critical, critical to our industry, critical to Australia's economy. Chinese travelers are slowly coming back to Australia, led in part by the return of international students. Recently, for the last probably six months or so, we see more students coming down here, and also with all the family members accompanying the students. Australia. In an effort to speed up that return, Tourism Australia launched a global ad campaign in China earlier this year. But what's expected to have the biggest impact is the announcement in August that China has reinstated Australia with preferred destination status. This is the biggest announcement we've received in 12 months for our tourism uh, and and uh, for our accommodation sector. To have the approved destination status put back is just music to our ears. That status allows Chinese visitors to travel to Australia in guided groups, which is historically the most valuable part of the market. It's not just those leisure tours, business groups as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, we've had some amazing uh, incentive uh, business come through from China as well. There's a concern that when group tours do return here to Australia, there are some parts of the industry that won't be ready to accommodate them. Okay. Odyssey Travel went from a staff of about 50 people pre-pandemic to just a handful of workers today. We've lost our, most of our staff, we've lost our coaches, we, we've sold our coaches and uh, when everyone's ready to come and we don't have capacity to cope with it, that's another, it's, it's hard. Not all parts of the tourism industry here have been forced to cut back. The accommodation sector added about 20,000 new rooms in Melbourne and Sydney, banking on the return of international tourists led by Chinese visitors. Greg Navarro, CGTN, Melbourne. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing.